Welcome to EWM Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Through Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on, sharing, and developing human capital. I want to thank you very much. We have Josette Curtis here today. I am so thrilled. I am literally thrilled that she's here with us today. Um, Lieutenant Commander, if I have that correct, from the from the Navy, is that correct? Yes. Excellent. And today I wanted to have a conversation regarding the academies as an opportunity for students to look at um, in addition to their other college choices. So um, I'm so thrilled to have her with us today. And uh, just said, if you'd be so kind, share with me a little bit about your your background and, and what brought you through the Navy. Absolutely, Paul. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Um, so I am originally from Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in a small town. Um, for listeners who remember the TV show The Office, I grew up right outside of Scranton. Um, <laughs> and in my uh, junior year of high school, we went down to the Naval Academy. A family friend had a son who was graduating. And um, so we took a day trip down there to go see the graduation. And um, the irony of this story that everyone gets a kick out of when I tell it is I didn't want to miss school because it was on a Friday. And I had a relative who said, oh, you should go. You'll probably never have a chance to, to see anything like this ever again. So you can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. We went to the graduation, came home that weekend, and after the graduation ceremony, we went to the yard, the Naval Academy campus, um, and kind of just walked around, saw midshipmen, saw you know what the what the the, the scene was like. Um, I came home and I immediately started. I mean, I think they had a website back then. This was 1996. Wow. Um, but I started thinking about and got the, the view book or the guidebook out of our high school guidance office, um, started reading about the Naval Academy, you know, what does it all entail? Um, if I were to go there, what would I study? What would I do afterwards? Um, and so within a couple of days, like that was the only thing in my mind. Um, wow. So I had decided that that was what I wanted to do. I applied the summer before my senior year. Um, and was accepted. So right after I graduated high school, about two weeks later, I, you know, my mom and I drove down to Annapolis and she dropped me off for induction day or I day as we call it. Um, so four years later, I majored in chemistry and minored in Spanish and then graduated, knew that I had, I wanted to fly airplanes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. At the time though, LASIK and PRK were brand new and they hadn't been approved for aviators yet for okay. the Navy's medical guidelines. So um, when you want to fly, but you're blind, you don't get to be a pilot, um, but you get to be a naval flight officer. So a co-pilot weapons officer. Um, so I went through flight school for that, um, earned my wings about 15 to 16 months after I started flight school and then transferred up here to Washington where I was stationed at Whidbey Island, um, flying the now retired EA-6B Prowler for nine and a half years active duty and then another three years in the reserves. Wow. I, that's the quick and dirty version of how I got to the academy and then very briefly what I did afterward. Wow. So what were some of the challenges? I, I mean, you, you walked on the yard. The yard is the camp. They call that the campus for, yes. for the Navy. Is that correct? Yep. 
okay, the yard, and you, you it, it clicked with you. The, the, the facilities, the place, the environment resonated with you. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things I'd like to share with students is, you know, check out the different campuses. Absolutely. Certain campuses will have, uh, they'll elicit a response inside you. Yes. And certain campuses, not so much. And right. so you'll have an opportunity to leave. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so having, having, going and checking off a few places or taking a look at a few places is well worth the, well, well worth the time. Yes, 100%. Okay. So when you started that process, um, mm -hmm. was there anyone else that you knew that was interested in the, the Naval Academy or how did, how did you get that kind of support? There was nobody else that I knew. I was the only person in my high school class that went to any service academy. Um, there was a pretty robust parents network in my local area. And so we got plugged into them right away. Um, and so there were some very recent graduates and also some upper parents of upperclassmen that were there. Um, and so connected me with their midshipmen or their you know newly graduated ensigns. Um, to kind of say, hey, we can tell you what we see from the parents' perspective, but talk to people who were there and find out what it's actually going to be like. Um, so I did a little bit of that. Um, but really, I think what you say is, is so important. And certainly, no service academy is the kind of place that you go to just because the campus is nice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so much more to it than that. But when you go to a place and you think, okay, I can certainly envision myself being happy living here and studying here for the next four years, and oh, by the way, the majors that I want to study are offered here. The career field that I would like to do after I graduate is a possibility after I go here. That then starts to combine into, okay, now I may be looking at a really solid choice for myself. Excellent. Excellent. Now, there are the big three, I think, are Army, Navy, and, and Air Force, correct? Mm -hmm. And But there, there are other military colleges, uh, VMI is one. Um, uh, there are other military uh, colleges or universities, but the big three are Army, Navy, and, and Air Force, right? Um, what's the competition like to be accepted in the Naval Academy or one of the other, other two academies? So um, every year, the Naval Academy, and I can't speak with a great deal of precision about Army or Air Force, um, but I would suspect that the numbers are roughly the same. Um, every year, the Naval Academy gets probably about 15,000 students that start an application. Mm. Um, they probably have about five to 6,000 who finish the application. And then of those five to 6,000, I would say, roughly 1,000 to 1,100 are offered an appointment, which is what we call an acceptance to the academy. Um, so right around 20% um, of an acceptance rate, if you look at the total number of completed applications, but a much smaller percent of those who start the application process. That's kind of fascinating when you think about it. 20% of those that apply mm -hmm are accepted right right Ultimately. yep um but almost half of those or a little more than half of those start the application process and don't complete it right it is an arduous process 
Okay. Um, and okay. different from most other college application processes. Well, that, with that in mind, how soon should one think about and the academy, right? Um, how soon should one think about it if that process is a, is a long process? Right. Um, so I would say a student should think about it as early as possible. Um, even if we're talking, you know, eighth grade, freshman, sophomore, that's not too early to at least, you know, if it's even a figment of their imagination to at least look and see what can I do now throughout high school to make me more competitive if by the time I get to the second half of my junior year, I've decided I still want to pursue a military commission via one of the service academies. Um, the application process actually can open as early as um, January of the junior year. Um, and then it really kind of picks up around May, basically the end of a student's junior year. Um, I have heard of students completing their application in full by the start of their senior year and receiving an offer of appointment like October, November timeframe. Um, wow. That is rather uncommon, but those are, you know, the most highly motivated students. Um, and so then they kind of can say, okay, I know what I'm doing for college and I can move on. So it's never really too early to start thinking about and preparing for, um, to, I should say, preparing to make oneself as competitive as possible. Well, it appears that, well, in life, there's a negotiation, right? So mm -hmm. you may be interested in a college and a college may or may not be interested in you, <laughs> right? Sure. Yep. Um, and so there, it would be helpful to know what kind of person mm -hmm. the academy is looking for um, to help marry that match. What, what kind of person uh, is the academy or the academies looking for? So whenever they um, evaluate a candidate, they look at what's called the whole person. So certainly someone who is, has demonstrated an ability to handle um, college level academic work. Um, you know, so students who are in um, honors programs take advantage of AP classes. Now I say this realizing that not all high schools offer those. Um, and there are ways for the academy to evaluate and help to prepare deserving students who don't have opportunities like that at their high schools. Um, but assuming a student is at a high school that offers an IB type program or an AP program or honors program, um, those types of courses are always recommended um, just because they more closely approximate college level work. Um, they also want to see Athletic readiness, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, you don't need someone to be like an athletic superstar. They don't have to be the three season, you know, multi-year letterman, three season captain. Um, but certainly physical fitness is an important part of being a military officer. Um, and also I think they view the life lessons that can be learned on the, on the playing field, on the pitch, on the field, on the court. Um, as key contributors to a person's development as a leader and as a team player, as an adult, learning how to lose, learning how to take constructive criticism, learning how to lead um, when the chips are up and when the chips are down. Um, so athletic involvement is also prioritized. And then leadership opportunities, whether that's in sports, whether that's through school organizations, student government, key club um, or um, community organizations, because ultimately every academy graduate, Navy, West Point, Air Force, Coast Guard, whichever, is gonna be leading enlisted personnel 
And so they want to see evidence that this person has started to think about who they want to be as a leader and exhibited that through, you know, I mean, there are so many different ways for a person to have leadership opportunity, but they want to see evidence of that in an applicant. Got it. Should, um, now we, we were talking and laughing earlier uh, about the Army Navy game, right? right. It's the big game. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people uh, enjoy watching the game. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of Army Navy football, right? Do the academies like athletes? I mean, do they do they really try and recruit athletes with a basketball, baseball, cross country, rugby? I mean, they want them to be physically fit, but do they really understand and like the like the athletic minded person? They do, um, and I think if you look at statistics per class something upwards of 85% of incoming midshipmen have some form of athletic involvement. Um, whether that is school-sponsored team sports, whether that is, you know, studying martial arts or something else on the outside, um, you know, like a, a local, like up here in Anacortes, the high school has a mountain biking club. Um, so, you know, that athletic pursuit could be considered as well. Um, but yes, for all the reasons that I mentioned, um, athletes are, I would say the overwhelming majority of incoming midshipmen are athletes. And while you're at the academy, athletic involvement is actually required. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly not, you know, at the D1 level for everybody. Um, but if a person is not of the caliber to play on a division one intercollegiate team, there are club sports, um, and, you know, when I was there, there were probably 20 different club sports. Now there's probably 50 or 60. Um, <laughs> basically, if a midshipman shows up and says, like, I want to start an equestrian club, the academy will say, okay, like, if you can find a staff, like a, a yard um, uh, officer to be your officer representative and find other midshipmen that want to participate with you, you can start an equestrian club or a figure skating club or a marathon club or whatever. Um, so there are all the club sports to choose from. And there's also intramurals, which would just be like um, intercompany competition, like friendly competition, but all of that, some form of athletic involvement is required of every midshipman um, all throughout the school year. Okay. So now the athletes that do play at the D1 level, they're not given any special um, treatment, are they? I mean, they, they're, they're midshipmen first. Correct. Yes. Um, what I would say is when they are in season, they may have, um, you know, because their practice schedule generally takes up a huge chunk of their time. Um, a lot of times they will eat at like what's called a team table. So they may eat before or after the normal dining time of the rest of the brigade, because maybe, you know, uh, easy example is the football team. They might have lunch at 1145 to 1215 because they have to go hit the weight room for an hour before afternoon classes start. Mm -hmm. um, so in the sense of there may be slight differences to their experience to accommodate the demands of division one training competition. Yes. Um, but they are expected to, you know, they still have to complete their degree in four years. They still have to do all of the other military um, requirements, particularly when they're out of season um, that any other midshipman would have to complete. Okay. Outside of athletes, are women and minorities, are they, are they encouraged to apply? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I was applying, like I said, in 1996, I remember um, shortly after I had submitted my 
preliminary application, a lieutenant from the admissions office called, and I wasn't even aware, like I didn't know what the percentages of women look like, um, but she was from the admissions office and she specifically was there to reach out to female candidates. Um, and now I think the Navy and the military as a whole is recognizing that the officer corps of all services is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. Um, but they're realizing that doesn't reflect either the demographic makeup of the enlisted corps that they lead, mm -hmm. nor does it represent the, or reflect the demographic makeup of our country. Okay. And so the military is saying, hey, if we're not actively seeking more women and more minorities to come in, we're missing out on talent. Um, and we're missing out on the benefits that diverse life experiences, diverse perspectives, uh, whether we're talking racial, gender, socioeconomic backgrounds, rural versus urban, mm -hmm. you know, childhoods, we're missing out on all that all that that can bring to the table and make us stronger as a whole. Um, so the, at least the Naval Academy I know is absolutely um, eager to have more strong women, strong minority candidates. And actually, since you asked me this question, I found out two days ago that, um, so the, all the midshipmen at the Academy are referred to as the Brigade of Midshipmen. And every semester there is a senior who is designated the Brigade Commander. And the Brigade Commander for the spring semester will be the first black female brigade commander in Naval Academy history. Wow. So if that doesn't express the importance and the appreciation the Navy has for diversity, um, I don't know what does. There have been well, women, there have been black midshipmen before, but never a black female midshipman. So very cool. And she earned it. Absolutely. And oh, she God. earned it. I was reading her resume. Like, I mean, you know, three-year track letterman, mechanical engineering major. She was doing internships at Lawrence Livermore Labs two, year, two summers ago when she was a sophomore. I was reading this going, I don't know how, how I ever got into the academy because if this is the caliber of person they're attracting now, they wouldn't even give me the time of day. <laughs> so, yeah, just amazing. That, it, but it, it's, it's important. I think it's important that, um, not, not that we have percentages or quotas, but that we recognize successful people and and driven people want to be led by driven successful people Absolutely. we like to see success rewarded yep and i i'm i'm just a firm believer a firm believer in that you know yeah, i couldn't agree more so what can now can um can enlisted men and women apply to the naval academy yep absolutely they can't. Um, What's their age limit? What, how does that work? So they have to be at no older than 23 um, on July 1st of their what would be their plea year. Um, so if you assume you know a high school student graduates at 18 and enlists, they basically have five years, a five-year window to decide that they want to go to the Naval Academy and then go. So is um, plea the same thing as a freshman year? Yes. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, plebe year is freshman year. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first year at plebe is first year. Yep. What is sophomore year? That is referred to as your youngster year. Youngster? Yes. Okay, and, and your junior year is? Junior year is just called second class. We don't have like a fancy nickname for it. I don't know why. Other academies do, but Navy doesn't. Okay, and then and of course your senior year is? Is your first class or first year. Nice. Well, yeah. thanks for thanks for that because now I'll, when when they're talking 
on TV about someone being, you know, his plebe year or exactly. his second class year, I'll have a better understanding. Yep, you're welcome. So, um, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, that's okay. I was going to talk more about um, for enlisted sailors who choose to apply. Um, the process is slightly different. Um, they would still submit, you know, a high school transcript, um, college or not college, but standardized test scores. But those, because they're several years removed from high school and they've been in the fleet, they've had leadership, you know, performance and leadership evaluations from officers in the fleet. Those are generally given heavier weight um, relative to, you know, how grades and SAT scores would be looked at for someone fresh out of high school that doesn't have that real life fleet experience to be evaluated on. Okay. Well, that's good. That, that weight comes into play then. Yes, absolutely. Well, that, that is, that's terrific. So you're obviously very successful. You have gone through the Naval Academy um, and you chose it on your own. Right. Right. Yeah. And no, no one came up to you in the middle of the night and dragged you off. No, right? in fact, I had some people going, are you sure? <laughs> Just because we didn't have any military in my family. So, yeah. And you graduated in four years. I did. Whereas the national average is six years. Everyone's benchmarking to six years. So getting yeah. it in four, excellent. Um, yeah. You had, you, you, uh, you got your wings. Mm -hmm. So, and you flew and so, so, you know, obviously you're successful. What are some of the unique skills that you have right. that helped you succeed through this process and okay. where you are today? I think one of them is a positive mindset. Um, one thing about the academies is they are by design more restrictive than most colleges. Um, you know, you can't skip class whenever you feel like it. You can't just up and leave and I'm just going to go out in town and get a sandwich for lunch today. Um, you know, there are military obligations all throughout the week um, that some people find restrictive. Um, and so I think the fact that I had, you know, current midshipmen, recent graduates to kind of prepare me for that going in allowed me to stay positive when other people were really kind of getting ground down by that, mm. you know, Oh, I just want to go and, and be like a normal college student in my mind. I'm thinking, well, but we chose to come to not a normal college. So what, you know, like I, I, I always tend to see the bright side of things, mm -hmm. um, not in like a Pollyanna way, but just say, okay, what's, what's something positive we can make out of this. Yes. Um, and so that helps because, you know, in, in any part of life, but especially in the military, there are going to be long stretches of deployment, long, you know, months of duty of a, of a job in the fleet that you may not be particularly fond of. Um, but being able to find some redeeming quality in that long deployment or that job that you don't like, um, whether it's, hey, I still get to go fly five, four days a week, or I have these awesome sailors that I get to work with. And so even if I don't particularly like the job I'm doing, I love the people I get to do it with. Yes. Um, that goes a long way in any part of life. Yes. Um, something else. Oh, let me think here. Um, I think just kind of showing up and doing the work. 
you know, I think nowadays, especially like sometimes I see it in my son, I have a nine-year-old and he wants to like jump right to the answer when he's doing his schoolwork. And so we try to go back and say, Hey buddy, like you really need to lay the foundation, do the work. Eventually you'll get to the point where you're proficient and skilled at it, but you need to um, not jump over all these intermediate steps to get there. Um, and the last one, this is, I think I put this in my, in my prior answers to you. Um, it might not have been a skill that I had when I went there, but it was certainly a skill that I developed at the Naval Academy and then through flight school and through my entire flying career is learning how to take feedback. A lot of people, I think, view any form of feedback as criticism. And most of the time, it's not meant as personal attacks, but rather stems from a genuine desire from one person to help make another person better. Yes. Um, so in aviation, I mean, from literally from the minute you set foot in day one of flying school, um, you are getting debriefed on every single thing you do, every word you say, every procedure you do in the airplane. And if you, that, that's one of the main reasons why people don't make it through flight school is because they can't take that feedback in the positive and constructive sense that it's meant. They instead get offended. They shut down. They think, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I'm never going to succeed at this. I'm the worst ever. And they don't make it through. Um, and so I think that is a life skill that to this day, I'm thankful that I developed throughout my Navy career. Um, cause again, that's one of those things that can serve you in any career, any situation, um, being able to take feedback and take the kind of take the pearls out of it and internalize those, internalize those and improve as a result. You know, that's an excellent point. I tell my son, I correct you because I want you to be correct. Yes. Right. And yep. being correct is better than being incorrect. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and if you're flying planes, uh, planes that find rocks and clouds don't stay planes. Nope, they don't. Right? <laughs> so, I would want to take all of that correction, exactly. you know, and, and I think that's true. I think it's anything in life is that, you know, um, it, it's important to have a good, healthy self-esteem. Of course. It's important to, um, to, to want to be right, but it's more important to want to have the, be corrected so that we can have more wins than losses, so that we can enjoy more sunny days than rainy days. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Especially when there's other people, other people on, on the line, right? And yep. it takes a special person to want to go to an academy. It takes a special person to want to be a leader. And it takes a, a special person to want to help people become leaders through right. the academy. So I want to thank you for your time. If, if anyone has a question, Mm -hmm. I don't know what, what's the proper chain of command or that if someone wanted to get in touch with you or they wanted to get in touch with someone in the Naval Academy or the West Point or Air Force, what would be the proper way for them to go and to check that out? So each, each one of the academies has a website. Um, probably, well, I know Navy, Navy's is just USNA, so Uniform Sierra Nevada Alpha dot edu. Um, and there they will have information about academics, athletics, admissions, all the steps to go through to apply. Um, if we're talking, um, you know, middle school or high school students and their families, every school in the state has a service academy representative assigned to them. Um, for the Naval Academy, we're called blue and gold officers or BGOs. 
And so a student or their family can contact the school's guidance office and say, hey, can you put me in touch with our school's blue and gold officer? Um, the counseling office should have that person's information and be able to connect you directly. And that's actually, you know, when we talked earlier about a student um, starting to think about the academies early, that would be the person that you'd want them to speak with would be the blue and gold officer um, for, so they can just start asking all the questions, ask all the questions. Um, and as far as West Point and Air Force, they also have similar representatives assigned to every school in Washington. So whether you want to talk Navy or any of the other schools, the counseling department should know how to get in touch with that person. Excellent. Excellent. Well, blue and gold, it'll have a mask for the blue and the gold. That's right. <laughs> Terrific. Well, listen, let, before we go, let me share with you one quick story, if I may. Please one do. quick story. Um, it was a naval officer uh -huh. that helped change the course of my life. Tell me about it. Well, this gentleman went to the uh, Naval Academy in the 60s. Okay. This gentleman won the Heisman Trophy mm -hmm. as a quarterback for yep. the Naval Academy. Okay. That person then went on to serve and came back and played in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. That person is Roger Staubach. Very nice. And as a young person, I wrote a letter to Roger Staubach mm -hmm. and I asked him if he would sponsor me for some jogathons for my private school. No kidding. And he wrote back. Uh huh. He sponsored me not one year, but two years. Nice. I've got an autographed picture of Roger Staubach. And because of that, uh huh. That interaction, it caused me to believe that you can become and do anything that you want to become and do. Mm -hmm. Because I reached out to well, who was the equivalent at the time of like a Michael Jordan, if you will, or a Tiger yeah. Woods. Absolutely. And this person took it upon themselves to write back to me personally. Excellent. So I'm forever grateful to the Naval Academy, forever <laughs> grateful to Roger Staubach, and you, and you guys do absolutely wonderful work. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. All right. God bless. You too. Until next time, this is Paul Ellis, encouraging you to invest in what you love. Like.